Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. It's time to drop your socks and grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. All right, good afternoon, everybody. We're back and we are live with Coco Talk, episode 115, the Coco Forever private screening announcement and special contest invitation. It's going to be awesome. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. all right everybody we are here we are live i've got too many things on my screen now to switch between and the order has changed so it takes me a while to get i keep adding stuff keep adding stuff but we're here we're back we're live this is episode 115 of coco talk this is the coco forever edition we got d bruce moore here in the house with us we got jason the coco man we got david ladd uh, just fresh back from a court date james diffendaffer is here we've got the guy who says oh, nick morentes is here we got richard lorbieski brian weasler nick marota nick marota nick marota mark d overholzer l curtis boyle rondelvo grant leedy terry steggy and mark b and i'm your host with the least stevie stroh and here we are how's that for quick introductions huh it's good. I almost remembered my own name. <laughs> <laughs> What's this host with the least? The host with the least. because it's... Now, we also have a new and improved introduction. I need to recognize this in a timely manner. But Jim Brain from Retro Innovation says, Like a stone skipping across the pond. Assuming the stone exemplifies a rusty, derelict dumpster on fire and the pond epitomizes the Tandy Color Computer road to progress, this is Coco Talk. <laughs> uh, I, I would say our slogan should be Coco whatever. Coco whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll write some mug to that. Uh, Fred Dufois says the MC10 needs some love. Okay, let's give the MC10 some love right now. MC10. There we go. MC10 got some love. We got some people out here in the live chat already. Who's out here besides Retro Innovations? We've got. Curtis Boyle, uh, Mark Overholzer, Ken Riker, Tim Franklin, Mark B, 
Alexander Wallace, our friend from Mexico. Uh, we have people watching us on uh, on Facebook. We've got people watching us on YouTube. By the way, if anybody's out there watching us on Facebook, if you could just share out the live feed now on the uh, Coco, um, share it out on I'm a Coconut and on the TR Sadie Coco Facebook pages. Much would appreciate that. Um, and we promise that you won't go to Facebook jail if you do it. <laughs> Not an actual promise. Not an actual promise. All right. <laughs> so we're here. We're live. I'm getting some inside chatter here from uh, Zoom chat. What's going on here? Uh, uh, oh, yeah. I do want to set co-host. Okay. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> let me start with you, Mark. I'll make you a co-host so you can manage the lobby, and then you can make other people co-host too. Can you handle that, Mark? Yep. Can you uh, deputize other people so we can let people in? Yep. All right. And a big uh, welcome to Matchy, Joe Burnett, and uh, Dave's Hobbies, yeah. who I believe is a pseudonym for one of our panelists. Yeah, shout out to Hugh Janus out there. Love you, Hugh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know who the Dave's Hobbies is. We don't know who Dave's Hobbies are. We're not sure we know what David is or what hobbies he speaks of. But we're here. Uh, well, usually what we do now at this point is we talk about product, product, but project updates or acquisitions, things we might have gotten either from a friend or from, uh, in Ron's case, possibly going to Goodwill or and other things. Uh, some people buy stuff on eBay. You know, so has anybody got anything new and exciting this week they want to share with the world? Terry Steggy is raising his hand. You're very polite there, Terry Steggy. Uh, go ahead and show us what you got, sir. Figured what the heck. Might as well, huh? Well, Mr. Overhosers, I ordered a couple of these from him. That's the... That's the prototype board? Yep, prototype board. Sorry. Yep. Okay. Pretty slick. And, of course, uh, Mr. Moore, I had to order that. Ah, the Forest of Doom. And it's awesome. It's so nice and shiny. <laughs> have you played it much, Terry? Or? I, I have a little bit. Yeah, it's pretty slick. I'm impressed. Um, I got this the other day. It looks like somebody's giving me the finger. Oh, it's <laughs> the uh, electronic uh, book. book. It's, yes. yes, the electronic pull my finger book. <laughs> it's, a, it's a finger gun. <laughs> kind of a slick interface, I guess, so. And then, I, I don't know why I did it, but I pulled the trigger on these. I, I got two of them. They're a Tandy 10 meg um, Bernelli drive. Whoops, oh, wow. Oh, Look yeah. at that. I haven't seen one in a long those time. kind of cool. And then, because of Mr. Delvo, the other day we were talking, I thought I'd, uh, I, I did pick up my, uh, well, Oh, that's a Tandy. What is that? Is it black? That's a word processor. It's Tandy called the w. WP2. Okay. It's, it's very similar to the uh, model. I got a 102 right here, but okay. uh, the right way here. So, More keys? Anyway. Slightly cheaper. What's that? Wasn't it slightly cheaper? Yeah, actually, um, just looking online, these, were, these weren't too bad as far as what they were in the catalog. Compared to the 102, but they they don't have as um, they're, they're just a word processor, aren't they? Like they don't have basic. Processor, but they what, did. what kind of ports are on it? Uh, there you go. They had a cassette port, and uh, I don't know if you can see that very well. 
Looks like a, a normal nine pin serial and a 25 pin parallel and some type of DIN. Yeah, that's the cassette. Okay. Expansion card slot as oh. well. Oh. I don't know what fit in there. I'm assuming memory, but I don't know. Do you know what processor it had? Uh, does this say? I do not know. I haven't. I have. I just it's got it. I haven't even turned it on yet. But does it take uh, four batteries like the? It, uh, it's a little different than the 102 and the 104. They're, they they kind of go in this little slot here, where the other one had that big. Yeah. Uh, 885. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of cool. Anyway, that's that's what I got. What do those slots do? You can actually set it up high. Yeah, like, it's like got a like, little, uh, like, like little a, legs, or you can like a like a keyboard. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, neat. So I'm going to look forward to taking this to some business meetings, and I'm actually going to take notes on this just because everybody gives me such crap for having uh, a retro fetish. I'm going to really show it to them. So yeah. <laughs> Good. Do it. Yes, wow. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I said fetish just for you, David. Wow. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Thanks for sharing there, Terry. Who else shoot me is, around uh, his garage. Yeah. Who else has got uh, something new and exciting this week that they want to show off with us? I have something old and exciting. Okay. Do I need to do a full proper intro for Ron's yeah, garage? Why not? All right. Hold on one yeah. second. All haven't right. done it in a while. We haven't done it in a while. So hold on. We're going to do a little bit of Ron's garage here in a second. All right, everybody. Get ready for the smooth, funky sounds and awesome retro collection of Ron Del Featuring some choice pickups from Ron's Garage. All right, take it away, Ron Delvo. Okay, I'm taking it. All right, I have uh, from the garage, I have a original, um, what's that girl's name? Fletcher. 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 Fletcher's yeah. machine, yes. It's a 100. Fletcher. This is a complete 100, and it has a... Uh, 100 bag that comes with it oh wow travel case yeah yeah now what's cool is i have a 102 also here's a 102 and a 100 and that's fletcher's and, uh, fletcher's younger you sister had that one the difference in sizes so wow. 100 was much fatter wow Ooh. see that mm -hmm. and then uh one other thing i have which uh is interesting is what this was based on and that is the Kyocera Kyotronic 85. Ooh. This is uh fairly rare. It's an older uh cousin. It has uh the same buttons and things. Yeah. In fact, when you turn it on, I put a program in it so that it will um like auto boot. Yeah, yeah auto look at boots. that screen. Look at that screen. Does that look almost yeah. exactly like the 100 screen? Yeah, it says basic yeah. and yeah. And I have the uh, time correct. Oh, can and hardly see it because, oh, yeah, yeah, 2019, there. yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And uh, another thing is, it, like, bring it to church, take your notes on it. <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. You know, it's you know it's both fascinating and somewhat sad at the same time, but that little tiny thing had a better keyboard than most of the Cocos did. True. <laughs> this melted one on my uh, TDP 100 is yeah. uh, that's a little dodgy, but, it, you know, it's reliable and it's still working, which is yeah. cool. 
Well, I know I, some reporters were using the Model 100s in the field, even to this day, because they love the keyboard. The battery lasted for weeks instead of hours, like you know modern right. tablets do. So, well, also those 100s with the serial serial port are great uh, Cisco machine, <clears throat> you know, modems and things where you had to connect to the the serial port to configure them. Yeah, true. well, those Model 100s are perfect for going on even calls today where you have to plug in a serial port and sit there and type out the commands to configure the modem. Yep. Or equipment. Portable. Yeah. So basically a portable terminal. Yep. Yeah. I do have one comment about Ron though. Does he have to have that mirror behind there given the illusion that he actually has more <laughs> stuff than what? <laughs> <laughs> My garage consists of a, a room with mirrors and uh, I only have like, Three cocos, but it looks like I have twelve. Yes, that's what we call it. Runs fun house. <laughs> Runs fun house. Oh man! Yeah, I have two there. See it? So um, good idea. No, nah, that's cool. James Jones mentioned something about how he had worked on those Bernoulli drives in the past. Let me go back and find James's comments on that. Yeah, he says, "Well, long ago, I did something for the OU Press on an IBM PC with those Bernoulli box drives." Hey, Joe Burnett's out there too. Hey, Joe Burnett, how are you? Okay. Um, yeah, cool stuff. Uh, that's yeah, I've yet to get one of those in my collection. Any of the Model One Hundred series and size little portable doohickeys. So that's well, cool. one other thing about the One Hundred Two. I have it has a chip in it, um, a ROM that has a uh, three-part program in it. You know, database. Uh, uh, I think it's. I forget what it is. I have to look. It's. Uh, you know, it does a like word and something okay else. kind of like a deskmate built in. Yeah. yeah it's a mini mini deskmate i remember because bill has one of those too okay yeah got a terminal program a mini word processor it had the basic rom so you could write basic programs right. um, i think a mini spreadsheet even in the later version yeah i think so kind of like a ledger thing yeah that's cool i have a hard time thinking that little thing as a word processor you've only got like what how many lines was there like four lines of text i mean it's hard to imagine editing an entire document eight wasn't it Eight. Yeah. yeah. And you could actually do the graphics on it too, because there's some games that used it. You get like I can't remember yeah. the resolution, like one fifty by eighty or something weird, but you could do black Nick. and white graphics games and they're actually like three D text adventures and there's some arcade games and yeah. stuff too. Nick, didn't you mention last week that you did some programming back in the day on the one hundred? One oh two? Varieties? Oh, no, not me. Oh, okay. I thought you made a comment last week. Okay. No. You know what Nick said when he first saw the model one hundred? Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Would you look at the screen on that beauty? <laughs> Is that all right? I'm not going to hurt you. Crikey. Crikey. Paul Fiscarelli's out there. Do not know, for people that do not know, Stevie Stroh used to do stand-up comedy, so that explains a lot about Coco uh-huh. Talk. Um, Paul Fiscarelli's out there saying, yo, how you doing? And Scott Haley's watching us on Facebook. Scott says, I've got a couple of 100s. One is working. The other was working last year, but the screen got dimmer uh, and dimmer. I hear a CMOS battery or cap might uh, be the fault. Uh, he says he also has an HP 95 1X. Speaking of small machines for note taking, uh, I should take notes with it like the other gentleman mentioned for the annoyance of others <laughs> yeah. i remember those had like a built-in uh, lotus one two three and they ran dos and wow. six, and the, but they were like this big 
Yeah. Wow. Well, Tandy had sequels too. Like they had the 200 and the 600 that came out that were more, I think the 600 was a full fledged DOS machine with a much bigger L- LCD and the, the well, 200 had, the had an 80 column screen, if I remember something. I can't remember the exact details. But I think you're right. By Sharp too, that had like the printer thing fit in. Hmm. The one I never quite understood was the pocket computers because that was such a small screen and such yeah. a small RAM that it to me was just a, a calculator with text. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was mainly and basic. Mm-hmm. What are these days? I had printers. To it. I mean, yeah, the if, PC you're, wasn't bad, if you're, I mean, just think about when people first started programming on machines, there weren't even screens at all. They were inputting stuff directly to the CPU just to get something out on a piece of paper. So yeah, the fact that you of- had anything somewhat immediate is still a step up from early computing. <laughs> a lot of them are hard coded with jumpers. They have jumper boards and they oh, yeah. program. So, we should all have toggle switches on our computers. Yeah, we should. Flippies, yeah. flip switches, L-tears. blinking yeah. lights, you know. I'm switches and buttons. Switches. <laughs> and, and, and when the, uh, uh, the Model 100 came out, Tandy also came out with a uh, what they call the PT-210, which was a portable terminal the size of a small briefcase that you could open up and it had a little miniature thermal printer. So when you typed it, it came up on a thermal printer uh, uh, paper. And that's when they have the acoustic coupler. Mm-hmm. On yeah, it did, didn't somebody have that last week? Or Yeah, I showed that last week. Yeah, yeah, he had one. Sold for $1,000. I'll sell it to you for 900 if you'd like, Richard. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Richard. <laughs> They'd make a great cocoa in there. <laughs> Richard, did uh, did it sound like that caps problem that the guy was mentioning for the screen dimming and stuff on a model 100? Does that sound accurate, or did you ever repair 100s? Uh, you know the the 100s. Yeah, we we did repair them. Uh, they were actually very reliable back in the day. The only thing that we had to really worry about was just the batteries dying out. We had to replace a few batteries, uh, a couple of keyboards. Uh, one had a smashed screen. It was because it was on an airplane, and the guy had it in his uh, carry-in, carry-on luggage, and it got uh, damaged that way. Other what do you that, mean? They... What do you mean battery? There's a CMOS battery, uh, a, a little NICAD battery that holds all the information when you turn it off, like on the regular PCs. Oh, like non volatile RAM. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like BIOS settings in that battery. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, those had to be replaced occasionally. That was about, that was about the only problems we ever had with the, the Model 100s. Most of the ones we got in were also just RAM upgrades. And what was the processor in that? Was that the 8080 or 8088? 8085, I think. Yeah, yep. it it's something. an 8080 with, uh, it's a microcontroller. Yeah. Okay. With some added stuff on it. And that, that cable underneath that goes to the expansion interface can be a little delicate sometimes. So did that did that um, Tandy little portable word processor, could you also plug in an 80-column monitor to that like you could on the uh, Model 100? Model 100 no, had an expansion so. unit, no? Not that I'm aware of. So it was a single-purpose word processor with a limited field of view when it came to how much of the document you could work on. Yeah, because it's quite a bit smaller than the, yeah. than the other one. I don't know what that expansion card did for you. It might have given it something, but... What's that DIN plug do? Uh, That's their cassette, cassette port. Cassette. Oh. What, what's this, what's this thing? RS-232. That was, uh, that was a, like, for a scanner uh, and stuff like that. 
Yeah, the barcode scanner. Like a barcode scanner? Yep. Okay. I remember to, uh, Model 100 magazines at the time actually had experimentation where they, you'd use a barcode scanner to scan in the actual programs instead of typing them. Interesting. I think I have a disk drive for one of those, but I don't have one. Hmm. Because yeah, there's an expansion unit for the 100. <gasps> they also had a, it looked like a Model 1200 um, actual PC looking deck for the 102, I think it was. Two floppy drives on it, I think. The back of these look different. Yeah, definitely. The one, the thicker one, the the one hundred looks like it's got a few more ports on it. Interesting. Now, who I else got has a little... got a who else has got a pickup? Well, not a pickup, but I guess since we're on the one hundred, uh, here's something that I have. It's actually oh. a Tandy briefcase. Nice. Holy crap! <laughs> And it has the 100, the cassette, and all the cables and everything all. Wow. That's cool. That's what Fletcher used to get into the cab. <laughs> um, does it autograph? Does it say Fletcher on it by any chance? When... <laughs> no, no, no Fletcher. No Fletcher. Does have radio check. Does have radio check. portable spy kit there that she could break into yeah. mainframes and stuff. Yeah, if there was a. Here's the. Uh, Mission Impossible. <laughs> Mission Impossible. Here's the. Uh, here's that scanner you guys were talking about. I think that goes back to Uncle. Talking about scanners that you guys were talking about looks like, and it has that plug, Ron. That uh, the yeah, serial port, okay. cassette port. Yeah, because yep. it says, uh, "What does it say on this door?" BCR. Okay. Barcode reader. Barcode reader. Mm-hmm. One might say that that wand type object is a probe. And I'll just leave it at that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I do have uh, do have a couple of little things here that I got. Um, it not really completely completely co-related, but kind of intrigued me a little bit. It's this computer graphics book, and I guess what kind of uh, what kind of caught my eye on it is that it's kind of like that. Uh, oh wow! That line, that line graphics, but they go into talking about some of the mathematical formulas that they use to create the graphics, and I thought, well, maybe that might be something that might be able to play with maybe in a basic program or something okay. to, to get the line so art. So that is a book know. that actually has the printouts of what computer graphics look like, like some line art patterns and stuff. It look, looks like really high-end Spirograph type stuff, you know, like 3D exactly. images yep. and stuff. Yeah, that's yes, I've never seen anything. Yeah, That looks so similar they, to the book I had in college. Hmm. Okay. And then uh, one other thing that I just kind of picked up only because it was a dollar twenty-five. Somebody had a ah, Downland. 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 Now, I did want to ask, uh, Curtis made a comment last week that there was a the difference between yes. this one 1. and 0. this one. 1.1, because 1. 1.0 did not work on the Kogo 3. I oh, think okay. Vector page or something. There was something that was doing that overrode it, so they released a slight update, and the label changed at the same time so that you can play them on the Kogo 3. Very good. Okay. I was going to go back and yeah, watch the video. Isn't, isn't it up. all the white label versions? Yeah, the white of, label versions the are the newer ones. Yeah, the ones say Tandy rather than Radio Shack. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I was just looking. At, they kept the catalog number the same, but uh, okay. Thank you. That's all yeah. I got. If you actually plug them in and boot them up, one says download one point zero, the other says one point one two, so you can actually tell the the firmware is different too. Okay. Check that out later. Cool. 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 Who else has got something? To show. Show and tell time. Sharing is caring. 
I'm going to save mine for last because Brian Weasler sent me a care package that I have not seen yet and I've been holding on to since last week for to, to look at on the air. Big this week. The big yeah. reveal. Hey, Curtis, what's that tall red thing sticking up in the background? Oh, that's just a candle. Oh, candle. here I thought it was a ray gun or something. <laughs> the Dark Knight <laughs> the Dark Knight 2 on uh, Twitch right now says, can I show something? What do you have to show the Dark Knight 2, and how are you going to show it to us? You're not on the call right now. But I'd be Let's curious see. to see what it is. All right, so can I go ahead and uh, do my unboxing reveal of whatever it is that Brian sent me? Does anybody else have anything else to show? You have my permission. I have, I have Ron's permission. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Coco Talk is... Uh, well, okay, so here is the box. It is a box of about this size. This box has not been opened yet, so we're going to open it up right now. Uh, roughly. Mmm. Yeah, well, I don't want to show off my home address, so it's not ticking. It's not ticking. There are some popcorn peanuts in it. Okay, so there's there's peanuts, and then there's a bag. Okay, anybody hungry for some styrofoam peanuts right now? Okay, it feels heavy. Okay, so is it just a bag, Mark? Okay. Okay, now I have something wrapped up in paper. And okay, so okay, so this is a it's a power adapter. Let me see. AC adapter. It's an AC adapter. Not many things need an AC adapter. So I don't know though. Now, what else do I have in here? Holy crap, look at this, dudes. It's a trackball. And it has a, a a DIN connector, and there's and there's rubber feet like replacement rubber feet stuck to the bottom of it. So does. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. Yeah, is this literally a cue ball? Is it literally a cue ball in here or is it? Yeah. <laughs> so it it has to have power. It's got to be powered up. Okay. Okay. Son. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, listen, the ball's already been lubed, so and it's uh... <laughs> and, and but, we're gonna uh, see a live demo of color Pete and Polaris with it. That's my that <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna play so I, I know you've talked about it before and I just thought maybe it might be kind of fun. You can do some game live gameplay with it and see how you Yeah, like I'm thinking double back might be kinda of cool. Uh obviously any type I've of tried that. it's it's harder to control than you would oh, think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But Polaris and Colorpede work really well with it. Actually, what I really want to see is you try to do pop start with it. They didn't see it. <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what? 
Uh, hold on one second. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I just realized something, and Ken Riker just pointed it out. You guys, the audio of you guys talking while I was showing it off was not coming through. So Ken said I could hear faint audio. That's because my microphone was picking up what was leaking out of my hollow head. So everything you guys said while I was showing off the trackball, most people didn't hear. <laughs> I don't think that's a big loss. <laughs> it's probably fortunate for them. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sure Jim Brain will thank us so, for that later. So, Brian, you want to just go over again like what you did, the restoration of this thing, because nobody heard that. Sure. Um, what I mentioned was is that it was I saw it out on eBay. It was advertised as a an Atari a controller because there's a lot of those out there, uh, the Waco, uh, the Waco uh, uh, trackballs. And uh, I picked up on the fact that it had the DIN connector on it, and so I grabbed it up. And I uh, was looking at it. I already have, uh, I have one in a box, actually, and I have one that I, that I use when I'm messing around. And uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to pass, uh, pass on this one here. And so I cleaned it all up. Uh, the trackball uh, cleaned that all up. The bearings inside have all been oiled. They were a little, little stiff, but uh, did a little, little bit on those. And then the, um, cleaned up the, uh, the cord and everything, got it all nice and cleaned up the outside case. And then, uh, um, the rubber feet, I just put those on the bottom there just to see if, you, uh, if you'd if you like to replace them or not. Um, some, I find it actually easier to just hold it in my hand than actually setting it on the table. Okay. And, and kind of going that way, you know, kind of, uh, I find it easier. So the rubber feet, in my, you know, doesn't matter for me. But, uh, you know, like back in the old arcade days, you know, you can kind of sit there and kind of start rolling that thing left or right. It's kind yeah, of fun. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. Cool, cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And yep. I, yep. I hope you enjoy uh, it. I feel like we might have to have a spontaneous gaming session tonight of games that could all benefit <laughs> from the trackball. So, yeah, like I said, double back is, is a difficult one. It doesn't work as well as you might think it is. It's a bit harder to control because you have to you know, try to make tight loops and stuff, and that's hard in the trackball. But Colorpeed and Polaris really work well with it, so I'd highly recommend okay. those two. Uh, so we'll see a lot of level ones tonight is what you're yes, saying. Yes, lots of level ones, yeah. So the you people, wanna... anybody listening live on Spreaker would have heard the audio, but the people on YouTube did not hear that initial audio. So, is the wall wart longer than five inches? Uh... <laughs> I know the one I got with mine was actually it's it's quite long. It's longer than most electrical. Cables. And I'm surprised it was an AC adapter too. I'm not used to many things needing an AC adapter. Yeah, it's pretty specific. I you know I'm, I uh, looked at the original one and it it calls for a six volt. AC adapter, and so that's what I had to try to locate out mm. there. And then, uh, of course, they, the ones never have the right ends on them. So I uh, picked up some little two millimeter foam plug ends and soldered it up, heat shrinked it, and put it all together. Very well. cool. Very, very cool. Well, thank you for that. I, I really appreciate that. That's cool. You're Enjoy. Give, give me an excuse to play some games tonight. Just remember the MC10 runs off of AC power. <laughs> that's correct. When the CPU is that hard, when you got a hardcore CPU like that, it needs all the voltages it can get. So, uh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. I can't remember if the DICOM light phaser interface did or not. It had a plug-in, 9 volts, I think, because it, it can run off a 9-volt battery or an adapter. Hmm. hmm. All right, have we concluded our show-and-tell segment, product, project updates, announcements, things to share? Anybody else have anything else they want to share? No. The only thing I'll share is that ease of use is stalling for a bit now because I got super busy with work this last week. Thank God. So. Um. Okay. Okay. Uh, De Bruce, are you there? 
Hello, I'm here. Okay. When we come back from commercial break, and by the way, we are going to show off one of your commercials for the system hacked. We have some new commercials to run today. Fresh new batch of commercials. We have a new Coco Thoughts. Have we seen Coco Thoughts 5 yet? I don't remember. I don't think so. Okay, well, you're gonna, we're going to see Coco Thoughts number 5. We're going to see a new batch of commercials. Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk to DeBruce about his project, Coco Forever, and, and this private screening that we're going to have next weekend and the contest that we're going to have where people can join us on this private screening and... and and in here and experience and share the entire series all 10 episodes and hear feedback and commentary from the creator and the director and the voice talent and all the other people who've purchased copies of the series so we're going to screen it together it will be so this private will be like the actors cut the actors cut yes and will so, there be takeouts like you know there might be bloopers crashes you, never know. And... you never know right wow so we'll do that after these words. So get ready for Coco Thoughts number five and a brand new commercial break because what we do here on Coco Talk is we always try to bring you something new and refreshing and we in, in today was no exception. Hopefully you won't be disappointed. Enjoy this. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. I remember the days of grade school when on the playground we would talk about the latest computer and console games. Until one day, when a kid told the teacher he was having a blast with his new math tutor. After he got out of the hospital, he changed schools. Radio Shack, America's technology store. Right! This Christmas, Tandy has a very special offer. A family color computer pack to take away at a very special price. This family computer comes complete with software and costs an incredible $449, a saving of $241.69. It's powerful, educational, and ideal for the young and young at heart. The easy way to start computing. The color computer family pack from Tandy. Get it while it's hot. Tandy, the biggest electronic store in Australia. As you start your journey to Coco Fest, you notice the road ahead is littered with rogue furniture. You realize you are driving on the Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. The new game for the Tandy Color Computer 1, 2, and 3. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Stunning low resolution visuals. Digital to analog converted sound. 100% machine language and basic. What are they saying about Nightmare Highway? Nightmare Highway. Steve B. York says, of all the games released this year, this is one of them. Elkert S. Boyle says, this will not be on my site. Nick Marionette says, crikey, look at the size of that croc. Get your complimentary <laughs> copy of Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway at cancanmakeit.com. If you got it for free, you paid too much. Coming soon. All situations depicted in this trailer actually happened. This true story has been anonymized to protect the guilty.
starting in the dead of winter, a group of bored teenagers, Blue Stuff Pup, learned code cracking, learned phone freaking, hijacked and hacked. No system was safe. No one could catch them, or so they thought. story at the dawn of the internet system hacked whoa well before we even get into the whole coco for everything if you want to talk about system hack there for a minute bruce because um I remember when we interviewed you for Forest of Doom, you mentioned this, that you were working on a nonfiction thing based on people that you knew, and you kind of alluded to this was a project you had in the works. And now it's looking like this project is coming closer to fruition. That's right. I will be releasing it shortly on Kindle and on iBooks. Okay. And like the story, I mean, obviously not all that video is, is from the 80s. Right. Um, <laughs> but everything depicted there does represent something that actually happened. Okay. And um, <clears throat> and that Coco in there was part of the Coco you saw go by is part of the story. Okay. And, and I'm actually in the story. Okay. Um, the primary author of the story does not want to be known. Okay. <laughs> but he's okay with me uh, with the anonymized version of putting this out. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean... If any of you were into this stuff in the '80s, you know, you know what, you know what it's what we're talking about here. We're getting past the uh, the phone systems, dialing into um, <clears throat> very well. It's pre-internet, so dialing into various systems that were supposed to be secure. Mm -hmm. Getting in there, creating accounts, um, doing some things that that you know, let's just say need to be. <laughs> skirted the law kept on the kept on the down low right sure 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 yeah yeah so I, mean, it's a, I, I think it's a pretty i think it's a pretty neat story especially when you see how uh how the primary author uh turned out in the end because you get to see sort of an after okay. after it all went down. yeah i mean i will share with you a couple of uh a couple of shady, seedy things I did in my past that I'm not proud of. But when you're young and dumb, you do certain things. But um, so I will tell you, I mean, years have gone past and the company is no longer in existence. But I work for Radio Shack. And for those of you who knew about working for Radio Shack, we had an inner store transfer, right? Where if you needed a product, you could just call another store and say, hey, I'm from store 8830 and we're all out of these things and I need to come pick this up. And you would sign a piece of paper and boom, they would give you product. So once or twice, I transferred things to myself. And even after leaving my employment with Radio Shack, so I got a couple of transfers in the past. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, that's just one thing I did Ooh. in the past that uh, not proud of, but, you know, some kind of shady stuff that, that, that happened. We look, didn't have look out your front door. Right now. <laughs> you have Radio Shack. Check your window. Yes, yeah. yes. So, uh, Curtis, well, do you have any, uh, any thoughts on these uh, activities? Uh, well, I, I, I don't know if I knew personally the people that you were involved with. We had our own little group like that here in, in Saskatoon. And uh, 
yeah, I was directly involved in some of it, some of the hacking. I was not one of the ones, I was lucky enough that I was not one of the ones that got caught, but a few of us did. Got their computer systems confiscated by the RSMP, got banned from using computers for a year or two because we're all what, minors. So we. What is that RSMP thing? What is that? RCMP. What is it? Royal, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Oh, are mounted. You were mounted oh. by the police? Yeah, if you've ever watched Do South, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. well, it's an experience you don't want to have. That's what I call hard punishment. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was involved in that scene for a while in the probably early to mid 80s. Oh. Wow. You guys ever oh. see, the, see the movie Sneakers? Sneakers, no. I, I behaved myself all those years. I didn't do anything yeah. stupid. Yeah. Well, there's say. a there's that take a penny, leave a penny thing at the store. One time I took two or three instead of just one. <laughs> uh, Ken Riker said you were caught by Dudley Do Dudley Do Right, the Canadian Mountie. So yeah. <laughs> no, we used to hack into CompuServe and not pay for it, and yeah. I hacked into the CBC mainframe at one point, and yeah, just a lot of stuff. I remember going on bulletin boards, and if you if you had certain levels of access to certain bulletin board systems, you could go into certain forums where you could get posts that contained lists of credit card numbers and expiration dates, posts that contained long-distance codes that you could use to call in and make long-distance calls with. So oh, my. I partook in some of those as well. Oh so I made, yeah. some, made some free calls, uh, you know. Well, the phone freaking was cool because once you got the Bell Lab technical journals explain how the whole tone system worked, you could take a tape recorder up to a payphone and like dial long distance and talk all you want for nothing. Because yeah. you, they usually had a, a catch where you had to put in one physical coin, which would then trigger the system going, okay, he's he's paying for it, and then it would just use the tones. So after that, and every you know, different denomination of currency that you put in a dime or nickel or quarter or whatever had a different tone, and then once you loaded them all up or load up the first one, then it would actually just listen for tones for how much more money you put in, didn't physically check. So you'd put in like a dime to start the call, and then you'd have this tone for a quarter and just keep playing it. And then you'd phone long distance for two hours or whatever. On a wow. Wait, didn't uh, <laughs> didn't, Woz, didn't uh, Steve Wozniak make some kind of a cheater box yep. for that? Blue oh, box. yeah. Yep. Yep. The black box. Yeah. They were blue. I, yeah, and of course, can, Steve Jobs can... decided to make a commercial and start selling it. <laughs> I could share a whole bunch of stories about how we uh, milked the uh, Tandy system, especially with contract services uh, in repairs. Uh, we would, a lot of times, if we had a customer bring in a service, one that was under contract, there was times that we would supposedly replace parts, but never really did and charged it to contract services. And, well, then we would also, we would have free parts. Um, free upgrades for everybody. Free wow. upgrades. Now we know why Radio Shack went under. Their system yeah. was way insecure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, right. the, the other the other thing that managers had a power, the repair managers. How does um, those had to be signed by the, the, the manager themselves or the uh, district manager. But as a repair manager, we did not require a signature from that the other store. So we were able to charge whatever we wanted to charge to, to another store. It would have to be caught by that store manager when their P&L came out, you know, usually within about 30 days. And one uh, shop in California, what they did was they would just charge very small charges to several stores and, and other shops throughout the country. And then when he finally got caught, it was something like $80,000. Wow. Bogus charges. Wow. 
Yeah, that's probably a low estimate of what we act or you know, got out of CompuServe instead of paying for actual fees like we're supposed to. Was that Dudley? Of course, multiple years. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, now that we've all talked about some of our shady past, um, <laughs> why don't we move forward and we're going to talk a little bit about this. I'm going to I'm going to spotlight you for just a minute here, DeBruce. And um, why don't you tell us about the history of the Cocoa Forever project, and then we're going to talk about the future that's going to take place next weekend. Uh, okay. So um, Cocoa Forever was uh, an idea I had. I probably had watched Back to the Future recently with my kids, was introducing them to that series. And then I got thinking, uh, you know, <laughs> what if you could do that and go back and at a critical point and make it, so Tandy actually got ahead of the other technology uh, uh, giants, Microsoft and such. And so um, I started writing this, this story and uh, did it as multiple episodes. And it was going to be an audio drama <clears throat> rather than a book. And then as I started kind of fleshing out that story, uh, I thought, wouldn't it be great to involve uh, people from the current Coco community? So what would happen is the guy would somehow travel back in time. Somehow something got changed. And when he came back to the future, came back to now, everything would be different. Tandy would be dominant. And, and a number of, uh, of uh, uh, people that I recruited from the Coco community were crazy enough to lend their voice talent. Remember, I say Rick, Rick Adams isn't here to defend himself. But if he recalls, um, when I first pitched this idea to him, and he had a pretty pretty critical role in this story. And he's like, okay, okay. And so we kind of talked through it. He says, now, now you got to understand, Bruce, that this sounds absolutely crazy to me. Okay. <laughs> this, this whole project idea sounds absolutely bizarre and crazy, but I, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt and I'll, you know, I'll do my bit and just see, you know, it was sort of like, well, let's see if this actually gets off the ground. And it did. And it did. And I, you know, I did some, I did some research that, just to make sure that there was some little bit of logic to hang this on, that this could possibly have gone, you know. Okay. Way, okay. You know? So <clears throat> I constructed timelines, a real timeline and an alternate timeline. So I could follow them through and say, okay, well, this is probably the point where it should diverge, you know, and then I had it all mapped out and well, and of course you gotta you gotta hear the story and hear the various characters that come in because there are certain people here now on this call who, in the alternate timeline, have rather elevated uh, statuses. In, uh, in <laughs> well, and, yeah. Just uh, speaking of Rick Adams, this is where we got this classic soundbite right here that I'm gonna play for you. We got. Oh, I'm much oops, happier breaking stuff. David Ladd, and here's Rick Adams. Thank you. Yes, you're too kind, and thank you. Yeah, so yes, we, yes, that is exactly. And I gave him a little script, but that was actually he was ad libbing on the script a little bit with yeah. That. And that's I think the best the best part was some of the ad lib ad lib stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think you and I did a little bit of that too. Oh, you had a rough, yeah, you had a rough, rough script, and then we kind of just rolled with it. Yeah, yeah, you and I did that a lot in an opening in a, one of the opening scenes. There's a phone call between the main character and Steve Strobridge, and I gave him a rough script, but 
Stevie just he just started going like like way off. <laughs> I, I had to, it was it's it was like the show, yeah. It was it was really funny, and I had to you know kind of carefully try and realign it to get it back. <laughs> and I think it worked fairly well. And the great thing is there was some real authenticity I think that came out of that. So it's just a really fun story. And and now I think the thing about it now is that now now it's actually a bit of a historical thing too. Yeah, um, when did it, when was it released initially? Was it November of last year? I don't remember when you released it. Uh, well, it was well, yeah, it was like a year ago ish, I guess, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And now it's uh, you know it encapsulates so some of the things that that came from Coco Forever show up in Coco Talk sound bites and mm-hmm. little things and that sort yeah. of thing. I like the fact you had actual Coco programs with it too. So each episode yeah. you have this program you'd run and they would you know show some graphics. Yeah. Yeah. So what what what's what's very interesting about the project is that it is completely mixed media. I mean, at, at for the most part, it's an audio drama, so it's an audio book telling the story, very well produced. Um, but there's all kinds of bonus con- content. You've got the PDFs of of articles. Some of it's real historical information. Some of it's mock up rainbow magazines that are showing what this alternate reality could look like. Um, and there's even a video clip in there. So it's a complete mixed media. There's interactive software you can run on a real Coco. So um, literally, this is something that's never been done before, at least in the Coco market. I'm not sure if it's been done in any retro market. And um, uh, probably, I, th- I, th- I think even now, it's kind of hard to wrap your brain around because you can't describe it with one word. You yeah. Know? Uh, yeah. your video real quick and then we can talk oh, about yeah. that let me switch over you've got a you've got a very uh well-produced youtube video here that i'm going to run for us How does it feel? coco forever I'm still I, I haven't seen any of the other retro even modern communities try to pull off something like this this is unique next to the switcheroo the hottest selling coco product of 2018 <laughs> forever.gracenote.ca Okay, so the question is from Ken Reichard. How does one screen an audio drama? And what it's going to be is it's going to be a Zoom call where we're all going to be on like we are now. But this will not be broadcast live. So it's going to be a private party. Uh, and the primary members are going to be Bruce, the cast and crew, We've also invited, if you've purchased Coco Forever and you are a consumer of the product, you are invited to this as well. Um, And then we're going to just listen to it as we're on this Zoom call. And as we listen to it at the end of each episode, we'll probably talk about it, right? So some feedback and commentary, feedback from the listeners, commentary from the uh, talent involved. Uh, Do you want to go as far as even playing all the softwares that go along with it too? And the whole thing. So. So, so. So there's 10 episodes and they average, what, about eight minutes a piece or something? So so we're looking at probably two hours, maybe two and a half hours, right, of, of us. Feature-length feature movie. Feature-length movie. Now, we're gonna re, we're, it's going to be it's gonna be done live. It's just not going to be streamed live. And then we're going to record the whole thing. 
and then it's going to be this video and I'm just going to give you the video and whatever you want to do with that video Bruce is up to you so if you want to give it away free or if you want to make it like a bonus clip or if you buy the series you get the Eastern Daylight Time, uh, which is my time in Florida, so 8 p.m. my time, Florida time. So if you were on the show or if you purchased the show, plan on being there. We're going to do it on Zoom. Reach out to us. Um, and for those who would like to be part of the private screening, all you got to do is send us an email, and then we will choose a few people um, to join us as well. So if you had never purchased it before, but you still want to be part of the private screening party, Send an email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. We will announce the winners next week live on the air, which will be Saturday. And then Sunday evening, we will have our little party. Bring your popcorn, right? Is, is there any special thing for the Patreon people, too? Yeah, or? we're going to invite the patrons, too. Yes. It's just speaking of which, thank you for reminding me, Curtis. I have not thanked our patrons yet on the show. Let me do that right now. So let me go ahead and thank our patrons real quick. All right, because the patrons are the actual sponsors of our show, so I want to give a big shout-out and thanks to Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue and his Coco VGA project at CocoVGA.com, Brian Joyce and Extructus.com, Fedor Stamen, D. Bruce Moore and his projects, his Forest of Doom project, FOD.GraceNote.ca, CocoForever.GraceNote.ca. We got Davey Mitchell. We got Diego and his project site, YACCS.info. Disney Saints fan Eric Canales and his project site color-computer.com, Grant Leedy, Jason Downs, Ken Reichard and his KenCanMakeIt.com, and Kyle Edder and Malfunct and Paul Fiscarelli and Frenomythic and Richard Lorbieski and his Boyson Tech, B-O-Y-S-O-N-Tech.com, Ripen Peach, Rob Inman, Steve Bjork, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., and Tom S., Thank you all for your patronage. You help us pay the bills. You help us get microphones for people who don't have them and all kinds of other cool stuff. Um, so, yeah, if you want to purchase the, the, the series, you can go to cocoforever.gracenote.ca. You can buy an individual episode. You can buy the entire season um, and send us an email and we'll invite you to the party. I will send out a message to the patrons inviting them as well. So the people who have been paying the bills, so to speak, they get, a, they get an invitation too. And then if we'll bring in a few more people, and this is going to be a party. It's going to be a private little Coco Talk that uh, exclusive Coco Forever Coco Talk screening. Membership has its privileges. Oh yes, yes. Well, what, what do we wear? Clothes, preferably. Yes, wear wear time wear something <laughs> that's uh, comfortable for time travel. Something that won't get snagged in the time machine. Tie dye. Yes. Yes. So it might be useful to just say who are who are all the voice talent we've got on uh, from the Coco. And and I believe when you say talent, you should use air quotes. Oh no no no! There's some good stuff. (laughs) I'll I'll use air quotes for myself. That's for certain. (laughs) I think there's only one person on this panel that has the talent that was on the. That was me. Ah yes, we we have. (laughs) We had some artistic talent in the thing. That's right. Very little. Really, I didn't know that. Yep. At the very end. Yeah, I agree. Get right to the very, very end. Yeah, there's something say, at the very end. Goodbye. Away with the quotes and just put no, no in front of it. Richard, uh, you're very low. Uh, and we can't hear you very well either. Yes, yes. Oh, good. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. So help make sure I, I get everybody here. But we have uh, Rick Adams. We have Jason here. We have Stevie Strobridge. Mm -hmm. We have Curtis Boyle. Okay. We have um, oh, David, uh, David Ladd. Ladd. David Ladd. Grant Levy. What? What? That's seven. Am I? Am I? Now, am I missing anybody now? Well, Steve Bjork is mentioned by name. I don't know if he's actually voiced in the program. Steve, Steve, his alter ego, right? Steve Bork. That's right. He 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 has a he, his presence is felt definitely in the. In the yes. Uh, was, now, was Nick Marenti's on it? I can't remember now. I haven't listened to it. In a while. Well, no spoilers. Uh, no spoilers. Let's, let's say let's say yeah, let's say that 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 Australian definitely has a presence in the story yeah, too. Yeah, there we go. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, was, was, uh, Neil Blanchard and oh, yes, Neil, pardon me. That's right. Neil. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Neil. Yeah. Neil's there too. So that's okay. Greg. That's, I think that's uh, yeah. So I think that's seven actual voice, voice actors from the community. Okay. Plus a few other, yes. With the quotes. Yeah. And, and Ron and Ron's made a, con a contribution. Steve York and Nick Morenti's have made contributions. Um, I did uh, when I first ran that was working on the timeline. I had a conversation with Boise Pete and just to, just to see whether I was totally out to lunch or not on my idea. So I got a little feedback from him to initially. Okay, okay, very cool. Yeah, um, Boise Pete, the guy who literally wrote the book on the color computer history. That, so. Exactly. <laughs> he, he, seemed be, he seemed to be the guy to talk to to make sure. Yeah, right. Right. Really crazy on what I was doing. Was he there. a creative consultant? So yeah. Yes. Yeah. I guess that would. <laughs> Were be his fees reasonable? Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> and then uh, my wife, my wife is in there as well as my niece and nephew. They're also co contributing too. So. Uh, uh, and is uh, Jacob Moore in there? Oh, too? and well, pff, let me <laughs> forget Jacob. Jacob plays the young version in a flashback. The young okay. version. The main character ah. who i voice so i okay and ken reichard says i contributed nothing and the project is better for it so <laughs> <laughs> speaking so. of ken just a slight aside here we'd show his commercial for his new game yes. and i wanted to mention like like your new book on the hacking is that's also based on a true story because people did hit furniture trying to get to coco fest so <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to mention that yes it's based on a true story yes as i have it running in the background yeah, that that commercial of uh, of Kenzer, I I don't know if, yeah. if it came through on the stream, but man, that just made I just couldn't stop laughing. By I the know time. it was that great. It. it was so good. It was so good. Written in assembly language and basic. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent machine language and basic. And basic, yeah. <laughs> and basic. Oh. If you paid. If you got it for free, you paid too much. Uh, so good. It's like I can I can do anything I want. I, I can do anything want and and sleep on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> hey Jason, that's a really nice microphone you got there. Why did you get that microphone? Uh, I had I had some silly project I ended up getting involved in. Can Can you give us any lines from the? Or is this a teaser? Can you Can you get into character for just a minute, Jason? And, uh -oh. and I don't reprise know if I your was role. Ever in character. To <laughs> <laughs> reprise your role you for us, Jason. Jason? Oh, <laughs> oh, I, 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 oh boy, I, I just, I'll just cringe during those segments when I hear myself say things like "Stop right there," you know, or whatever it was. I don't even remember. <laughs> I just remember "there," so you know, T H A R E. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but I've got some wickedly loud thunder right outside my window right now. 
No. Um, nope. All my major technology is on battery backup, but there is a chance we might have some light flickering and whatnot. So um, you just never know. Okay. We just um, know it's not a rage quit. It's uh, yes, it, it might be an issues. could be an act of God. Um, the Lord has spoken and he said, I've had enough of this crappy show. <laughs> so saith. Um, all right, so this can is only hope. Yes. Yes. Um, my people have suffered enough. But <laughs> <laughs> my people have quiet. Yes. Um, so very cool. I think this is a great, another great idea from the brilliant mind of D Bruce Moore. And speaking of creative and brilliance, um, Bruce posted in Discord that he had done a, 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 an audio book and a, and a Kindle book for a children's story, The Enchanted Forest. Yeah, and right. when did that take place? Well, the audio, uh, let's see, the, uh, the Kindle, yeah, I only got it recently onto Audible and Kindle. But probably 10 years ago, I did the, an audio version of... Um, yeah, of a, of a book that I just self-published. It was a story with my niece and nephew. Okay. And uh, and then I, I I wrote it up as a and this is where I kind of started developing my my skills and and ideas for doing audio dramas was was back there. So I actually had them as little kids come in and voice their own parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in Enchanted Forest, they're doing their their voices with their little kid voices and yeah. now in Coco Forever they, they do their grown up voices. So yeah, so that's interesting. There's a tie in. So the kids who are yeah. in the Enchanted Forest audiobook that you can buy now on Audible are some of the adults in uh, Coco Forever. Yeah. Of, I got this of, thing about forests and monsters and yeah. strange things. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. In, in, yeah. encouraging the dark arts. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> threat game, you know, uh, encouraging in unsafe storage practices. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, what about. that's it. That's it. So, um, no, it's really cool stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And um, great, great production. Another, another brilliant product from the mind of Bruce Moore, who has brought us a video and- game with a book. <laughs> you know, and he's kind of continuing the tradition because one thing the Coco community, even back in the early '80s with Rainbow, was pretty innovative on doing something unique that the computer industry had never seen. And, and Rainbow used to do this on their annual, you know, July anniversary issues, where the one year, the second year, I think they put in the, a little floppy record with three programs on you could load up. I remember that, yeah. And then the following year, they did a scratch and sniff adventure where you you were going through and you're, you're in a room and it describes them. It says scratch box five to figure out what this is. Oh, that's pine needles. I need to get the needles or whatever type. Of thing I'm like. definitely not doing a scratch and sniff. <laughs> especially if, especially if David Ladd's one of the characters. So. They went they went to the sewage area. And <laughs> <laughs> the but enchanted we, we, we sewer. <laughs> smaller market we became more innovative than some of the big players i think with that kind of stuff early on versus carrying on the tradition prince ethan was in the enchanted sewer and noticed there were some floating debris coming downstream stretch number zero zero oh terrible terrible we're defiling his his legacy already and he's still alive sorry bruce uh, <laughs> um, so i listened to it in the car and I had another guy with me. I've got a coworker now who's working with me. Another grown man. Are you Bo- talking about the Enchanted Forest? The Enchanted Forest. So we oh, both okay. li- we both listened to the Enchanted Forest while I was driving off to a job the other day. 
and we good, enjoyed good children's it. Story. It was a good children's story. I'm going to be honest. I mean, at first it was a little bit hard to listen to because it is literally a children's book. And so once you get over that, within the second chapter, you start to get into it. Because at first I'm like, oh my God, this is, you know, it's like you're... Mr. Rogers. It's yes, Mr. it was like Rogers, a right? Mr. Rogers reading yeah. of the story, right? But once you yeah. get over that and you start getting into the story, it's good. And I, I listen to a lot of auto, audio books and I love it when usually there's only one narrator and i love it when they at least do different voices to change characters and in some books they actually have multiple voice actors in certain audiobooks and i enjoy that when you have these different textures because when all you have to do is listen sometimes having these little touches helps the story sound better you know um and it reminds me of when i was a kid we used to have these things that were called book and records right so it was kind of like a little comic book with a 45 and it was all yeah. acted out with music and sound effects and everything else and you turn you know you turn the record over and keep reading the story so it's cool when you've got extra dimensions to you know just a reading of a story so um and you did that 10 years ago yeah i think so about 10 years yeah. ago. yeah i mean it was really well produced for 10 years ago too the uh the, the how you added the music and the transitions and everything else is really stellar product so yeah, thank you. Now, Bruce, you also did the uh, Coco Talk theme song, correct? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. I have a story for that. My One of my coworkers, Kelby, uh, has been getting uh, part of the Coco Talk stuff, been listening to it, getting involved. He uh, let me know the other the other day he woke up at 2 a.m. singing that song and couldn't get it out of his head. Uh. <laughs> Well, Thank you if I ever spoke to you. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, not only that, but the uh the how does it feel the whole yeah. little little teaser song that goes to the beginning of Coco Forever, that is an earworm too. Cause that's totally like a journey esque little piece, you know? Yeah. Actually I've got some You're of Bruce all the senses. Good yeah. job, man. I've actually got some of Bruce Moore's hits right now. Let's 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 go through the the, the top three countdown of hits by Bruce Moore. Here we go. Coming in at number three. And then we've got. Scratch the box five. Yes, yes. And coming in at number one on the Bruce Moore countdown, here's the answer. When the Coco groups immersed in drama, conflict in community, some have found the answer. Sound cards, memories, sometimes software, always personalities. We can find the answer. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. We can find the answer, let it be. And when the group starts fighting, we can 
Number two got Even us booted from the heron. Number two. That's why I put the hand sanitizer out there. Number two. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, Bruce. Bruce did a good job on number one because mm. I love that one. David. David contributed to that. He's actually him and who else was in that conversation that sparked it? James Diffendaffer, maybe? Uh possibly. I don't remember offhand, but yeah, that's it was just a random conversation on, on Discord. And then uh, I don't know. And then I said, wait a minute, that's it. I'm gonna come back in a minute with some lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I was on that one. Oh yeah, yeah great. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So I kind of yeah. wrote the lyrics there and then uh and then David sent me the the MIDI file I needed to put the music together quick. So that was fun. Yeah, yeah. The the that's one of my favorite Beatles songs. So it's a, uh, and it's a, uh, it's a moving song to me. So yeah. it's like, and then it's like, and then it's like Bruce was like, hmm, and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, it just, it just sometimes sometimes you know things just write themselves. You know, sometimes a good joke writes itself, and a good song can just write itself, and. You've definitely been inspired by the community in a lot of ways, and you've been an inspiration to the community. I'd have to say that Bruce Moore is a, nat a national treasure when it comes to the Coco community. What do you guys think? Uh, he's it, ours, too. Yeah. An international treasure. Inter that's true. True. An international treasure. And also, I mean, um, go ahead. When people getting stuck in an elevator, it just writes itself. It does. It does. Pretty much. And, and for those of you oh, who yes. did get stuck in the in the elevator, Bruce would like you to know that he's sorry. <laughs> he's sorry you guys got I'm, stuck I'm in the elevator. Game. We're waiting mm -hmm. for the well. Well, um, Jim Gary okay. did have elevator action, so yeah, um, that's true. That's yeah. Right. So I'm thinking we should have a maybe hybrid coding slash game playing session tonight here. So. Um, Try and code for the trackball. Yeah, code for the trackball. Uh, Al Hartman says, I am in a rehab facility and don't have a laptop watching on my Amazon Fire tablet. Okay. Uh, oh, James, James Diffendaffer says he was also in that Discord chat. Yeah, so. see, I thought James was there. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yes. Elevator <laughs> <in> action. <laughs> Ken Rackers says, my next one's going to be elevator in action. That's good. Ken's, oh, Ken's yeah. coming up with the hits. There's a lot of inspiration. Things happen. And a lot of times, you know, people react in a positive manner. And that's what we like to encourage here, right? Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. So that's our plan. So once again, if you'd like to join this two and a half hour marathon of experiencing this in a group setting, in a kind of a watch party, 
um, collaborative uh, screening, uh, send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Uh, and I have a feeling there's a very strong chance you'll probably be able to watch it with us. I think our, our barrier to entry is pretty low. I believe sending the email is probably <laughs> going to... Our standards gonna... are low with what we're yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. Am I getting an invite? Yes. Well, <laughs> stop right there, Jason. <laughs> stop right there. What do you doing? That's the whole reason I got this microphone. It's like, oh, you want to do this? I'll do it, but I got to buy a decent microphone. So oh, I got a twofer, you know, and you got what you got. <laughs> you get what you get and don't get upset. The voice, um, the voice direction for Jason there was this. Okay. Okay. Now just, okay. And this one be calm. This one be, you know, not nervous. And this one just be really angry. And that was it. And that's what we Oh, yes. Yeah. So I had, I had very, I had just little snippets. It's a very small part. And I, you know, I, that, that I had, I had to look for, uh, to Bruce for context. Cause I, I had, I had no idea what the story was about. Yeah. yeah. Same as with my part too. I had no idea. I just had that little snippet. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us, we were kept in a vacuum. Right. It's like because, a Star Wars yeah, movie. You, you know, think about you it. I mean, snippets of the script. I, yeah. I was in episode one. And then I also had recorded some dialogue where I was in the final episode and I completely forgot about it because from the time I recorded my dialogue with Bruce to the time anything was released and he was releasing this episodically as well over time. And then by the time and I didn't buy the entire season right away. And by the time I finally bought the full season and listened to all the episodes and I was like, oh, man, I'm in the end, too. I'm in I'm like bookends. I'm in the beginning and I'm in the end. So well, and, I, and well, I forgot and, about all of that. So, right. Well, and then, I mean, another thing you didn't know is that now you have to listen really closely. But when you hear the, the music at the end, I managed to. I managed to grab a sound bite of Stevie singing a little bit of random something. Oh, like I that. need a hero, right? So get it into the song. Yeah, I need you <laughs> to isolate that song. for me. I would love to have that because. Uh, oh, okay. Let me yeah. yeah remind me, but I'll, I'll see if I can dig it up separately. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, very cool stuff. So yeah, due to an interruption of power from the power failure of the storm and the failure for me to have my computer plugged into the battery side of the battery backup unit um, we lost power uh, the show was interrupted but you know what we may be mocked we may even be mocked by mother nature but we'll never stop so for your viewing pleasure <laughs> coco talk is back um, and it's worser than ever um, so we're here. Uh, I want to thank, uh, the two people who've been watching us so far out there. Hopefully the live audience will come back once we show up again on Facebook. If somebody could reshare the stream out on Facebook again, because the old, the old link is no longer good. Um, so we're back with episode 115 part B. Rick Adams is trying to join the call right now. Speaking of thank you, you're too kind. Uh, Rick Adams is here. Coco Talk. When you attempt to improve the quality, you result a division by zero error. <laughs> I don't know if it could get worser, but I don't think it's going to get gooder. It's not going to get any more gooderer than it than it's never no. than it's never been. Yes, it's we'll about the goodest it. it'll ever get. Facebook Making up words as we go. Oh, nice, Terry. <laughs> All right, so let me go but back. Are we into... back on YouTube? Because I haven't been able to find the feed. Yet. Yeah, we're back on YouTube. We are back on, and we're back live on Spreaker. So this is this is part two, 
of our show, we were just talking about things. I don't even remember what we were talking about because all I heard was thunder and the beeping of my UPS and then boom, fade to black. Um, so we're here and we've been talking about the party and, and Rick Adams has joined us. Rick, are you still there? Rick was here. Now he's not. Okay. Rick Adams came. He, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away because Rick Adams is not here again. All right. So hopefully he'll come back. And yeah, we definitely want to make sure that Rick is here. Um, my camera is not here. Uh, Coco Talk is an unscripted. How hard Ooh. is it to restart a dumpster? Uh, I don't know. So <laughs> let me see if I can. You're going to need some kerosene. <laughs> kerosene? No. You need something more like a, a gallon of uh, isopropyl alcohol. That'll just go poof. Just I've like got really I've got fast. some um I got some off-road diesel fuel here we could use it's dyed red. Okay. No, all, all we need Still is works. a couple of bad decisions and the you know. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> did the stream die on YouTube? The stream died everywhere because I lost power, but the stream should be back everywhere too. Ernesto, thanks for being here. Okay, so now we've have have we finished talking about the Coco Forever contest at this point? Uh, and we're ready to move on to the news with Curtis Boyle. Just just remind us of the dates again. Uh, July 14th will be the private screening at 8, uh, f 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time will be the time of that screening. Um, the people who are automatically invited to be on the screening would be the cast and crew. It will be our patrons and purchasers of the season. So if you've purchased Coco Forever, you are invited. Um, do you have ability to email your, your client list on that, Bruce Moore? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to look into that. I think I better see if I can. Yeah. Yeah. So you might want to email your client list, um, to invite them. I'll invite the patrons. Um, and, uh, obviously the cast and crew are there. Alan Huffman says I'm a patron. Yay, Alan. Yes. So, um, so we'll get that going, and then uh, and then there then there's a contest where if you would like to be part of this screening, send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live, and you can probably assume you're going to have a fairly good chance of being able to join us on the screening. So there it is. That it's a great uh, product. It was a great project, and um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So now, are we ready to go on to the news with L. Curtis Boyle? Just before we do, uh, David's saying that we doesn't see a live feed on YouTube yet. I don't either. I'm okay. watching it. Yeah. Okay. That's what I've been trying to say. I'm watching uh, it live on YouTube right now. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm going to update the text right now. So uh, let me just change the text so what we see on the text is now different. Okay. Back from the storm. All right. So. I just changed the text to say back from the storm and hopefully that will show up on the screen. And um, I don't know if not, maybe I'm looking at, maybe this is a whole deja vu thing where I'm looking into the past. On, yeah. Uh, Cause live.cocotalk live just brings you to your, to your page. Yeah, I'm getting that too. Yeah. YouTube is down. Mm. Facebook appears to be updating though. No, no, yeah, no. Facebook is good. No, I just, I'm watching it on YouTube right now. It's here. It's on YouTube. Post a link. Okay. It's it's on freaking YouTube, dude. I don't know what to tell you. It's on my YouTube channel. I'm watching it. Okay. Uh, uh, do you want me to put, you want me to put the link in the uh, in the in the chat here? Yep. Okay. Yep. 
Here's the problem with that. That live dashboard is not going to work too good. That Hold on, let me do this. Let me find the share button here on YouTube. Hold on one second. Never mind. Don't don't take that link. Take this link here. I'm putting in a new link. YouTube.com slash watch slash something, 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 something. That's nice. the one. Uh, there are three people live right now on YouTube. So, yeah, I don't know why. It's... it's... Uh. YouTube is being kinky. Anyways, it's there. There's nothing I can do about it. We're going to show is going on. So, and Rick Adams has joined us. Rick Adams, how are you? Hello, can you hear me? We can hear you. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. How's the audio sound? Uh, loud and crackly. Oh, well, there's not much I can do about that. Okay, I can back off a little bit, maybe. Um, okay, hi, guys. Hey. Hi. It's President <laughs> Rick Adams. Um, so President. Okay, who's listening to the show right now? Because I just heard that playback. Are you, Rick? Are your headphones plugged in? Because I'm hearing a sound loop delay on on our show coming back from you. Uh, that's weird. Uh, yeah, my headphones are on, and it's not broadcasting audio. And so I don't know where the loop is from. Right. Yeah, well, it's from me, huh? Are you, Rick, are your headphones plugged in? Because I'm hearing a sound loop delay on the. On the you guys hear that? Yeah, I hear yeah. it. Yes. I don't I know. Definitely. All right, let me try muting you for one second. I'm going to try muting just Rick. Okay, Rick's muted. Okay, testing one, two, three. Sound loop, sound loop. Okay. All right. So, Rick, just listen for one second, then I'll unmute you. So, we just got done talking about the Coco Forever screening, which we very much want you to be a part of. It's going to be next week, Sunday, the 14th at 8 p.m. Florida time, Eastern Daylight Time. The cast and crew are going to be there. We're going to listen to the whole thing. We're going to talk about it. We're going to share it with the... Uh, with the consumers of it and, and other people who are going to join us and try to try to be on here. So I just unmuted you. Can you hear me okay, Rick? Fine. Okay. Well, hopefully the sound problem's gone. So hopefully you'll be able to join us and hopefully everything's good at home and we're all good. All right. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Okay. We are live on YouTube. Um, hopefully we're live on Facebook. Feel free to share it back out. Now, Curtis Boyle, are you ready to do the news. Oh, sure. All right, so just remember, I'm going to stop sharing sound so you won't hear the music, but I'm going to play some music, and when I say, take it away, Curtis, that's your cue, all right? So, get ready for news with Curtis Boyle. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for news with L. Curtis Boyle. Take it away, Curtis. And is that successful? You can see it? We can see it, Curtis. Okay. So first story, uh, Jeff, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his last name right, Tienison? He was at Coco Fest. I remember talking to him. He's known as Deke in, in Discord. I believe it's Tunison. Tunison? Yeah. Um, he started a public GitHub for all C-source code for OS9 and Nitrous 9 past and present. He's basically trying to collect every single bit of source code we can find, whether it's original microware stuff, third-party stuff, freeware, whatever. Um, includes parts of the C compiler itself. Um, this is the screen here is kind of showing uh, briefly what he's got on there right now and how it's organized a bit. So he's got some of the third party make utilities and stuff that people enhanced past the original micro ones. 
but basically if you have any C source code, just, uh, you know, hit him up on discord or, you know, get in contact with him through GitHub, et cetera, there. And he's going to you know, keep expanding it. He's going to try to do every version. So you can actually kind of version track through what has changed as, as pro projects uh, progressed. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what all you can find in there. Okay. Um, Deke. Well, yeah. Thank you, Deke. And that's. You can ask through the how to Cocoa Pie. Yep, this is uh, from Ron Klein. He's got an experimental, uh, that means expect bugs at this point, uh, CocoaPie 3 Git, rep, Git repo as well, uh, so that the CocoaPie 3 can get automatic updates. And he's got details and instructions here, which is just what I'm kind of showing on the screen <clears throat> in his uh, Google Doc, and he'll, he'll keep working on it and, and getting it improved, and, and then it'll probably be a public release, and it'll just automatically update for you on the CocoaPie. Okay. So so rather than having to download the image and reburn the image and stuff, we're going to get live updating in, in a yes, sense. Exactly. Okay. And hopefully at some point in time, it'll be part of the menu where you just press the button and it'll just yep. do it too. I think that is his eventual plan. Ease of plan. use. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. Nick Morantes, what have you started? Uh, <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is a really cool one. I thought uh, Tony Capolini shared an album on Facebook of a bunch of pictures he took back. And I think we figured it was the 83 Color Expo in California, which uh, Steve Bjork and others were members of. And um, he'd found some old negatives and, and he got them actually you know, made into the proper photos. And there's some pretty cool things in there, including some stuff that's not known. Uh, this one actually will take the time to go through. So this is... Um, Desert Rider pre-release. This is before Tandy was selling it. So this is kind of a preview for the people at the expo. But uh, Steve brought in one of his uh, uh, back projector TVs. So it was on this huge TV screen. Um, and everybody had a chance to play it. But there's some more pictures on that with a bit more of a backstory on it. We'll get to a little bit later too. Uh, here's one of the dragons. Montana was just starting to sell the dragons. So this is a dragon set up for everybody to see. And if, if I remember correctly, wasn't Tano based in California for the... No, they were based in New Orleans. New Orleans? Yes. Okay. And this is this um, Mark Randall? I, mean, I can't remember what Mark looks like. It was one of the guy who was running in the, the group. That is one spiffy sport coat. <laughs> yeah. And you notice a little uh, lighting reflector on the right there that that mm -hmm. is explained shortly, too. Uh, we were talking a few months ago about the CPM add-ons for the Coco, and this is actually a photograph of the Wayne Technologies CPM add-on card. Wow. Uh, you can see the CPM disc on the far left there, too. When you too, say so... Wayne Technologies, is this Bruce Wayne of Wayne Enterprises? Or... No, and I don't think it's Wayne Green from oh, okay. So Yeah. So basically, it was a, it was a card with a, a Z80 and an 80-column card that plugged into the Coco and then had a, an extra thing that was basically almost a Y cable thing where it came out the back, you plug your disc controller in. And you even have that little metal bracket that would actually hold it up because, I mean, once you're hanging two long cards off, yeah. it starts to bend and cause problems. So that's one of the few shots. I remember seeing it at the fest, but I haven't seen a shot of it in the wild since then. So this is kind of cool for people to see what it looked like. And for those of you who read Steve Bjork's interview in Color Computer Magazine, I'm trying to remember, was it the February 84 issue? Where they interviewed Steve Bjork. This is actually where the, the photographs for that interview uh, took place. Now, the interview did not take place at the show. Um, this was just done kind of after the fact, and then they added it to the story afterwards. But uh, you'll recognize the quad, you'll recognize mm -hmm. Steve, mustache and suit and stuff. 
And I think, is that Mark on the right there, maybe? The guy that was the head of the Color America users group? Not sure. I was hoping Steve was going to be on so we could actually find out for sure because he, he knew some of these people fairly well. Now, this was interesting. Um, they took the Desert Rider and they hooked the quad up to it itself and actually had it. So when you steered the quad, it actually steered the car. And then you had, you know, your foot pedals worked and everything else, too. So it actually was a full simulation of the actual wow. hardware. That would have been so cool. Yeah. Now, I, I, I kind of guessing the answer is no, but anybody in the panel here, were they members of the Color America group? Because if you guys have Desert Rider, the official tent release the game, the Color America users group actually is mentioned in the credits as you watch them go by on the screen along with Steve. Mm. It is on my Because yep. they, they uh, contributed some ideas to the game. I think maybe even some of the graphics and stuff, I think. They, so they were active contributors, not just beta testers. Steve mentioned that in Discord this last week. So that was kind of cool. I never knew that history behind it either. I got to say, it's kind of cool that even back when Steve was still kind of like a, in a superstar status that he was going to clubs you know mm -hmm. um that is pretty cool he had some interesting stories about the quad too because they i guess they had set it up the night before and when they came back in some of the, some of the staff at the place they were having the convention was at moved it somewhere or something and they had to rehook everything back up and i, I like i said i was hoping you'd be on the call here but uh, I, I guess given the uh, even more major earthquake they had was it yesterday uh, maybe there's you know some issues with infrastructure etc uh, this is a uh, MFM hard drive controller with a adapter board. Now, on the board on the very far back, and I wish Bill Noble was here because he might remember this too. We had when we had the Frank Hogg Eliminator, we had a WD thousand and two hundred five controller, which was a big honking board too, and it controlled floppies and hard drives simultaneously. And that looks suspiciously like that board to me, from what I remember. I haven't seen it in twenty years, but I'm suspecting that's it's it's at least a cousin of it if it's not the actual board. What size is that drive? I have no idea. Probably a couple of gigawatts. <laughs> Probably There's the, the Tano Dragon booth at the Ooh. show. I'm sorry, Richard, what were you going to say about the... I would say it's probably a 5 meg. 5 meg? Yeah. yeah. Like For that time period, that probably would be accurate. Does it look like a mini scribe? Remember those? Uh, yeah, I don't remember what those look like. This is this. I don't know what this is. This is some sort of uh, hardware hookup. I don't know if it spun the wheels. Yeah, that's what it's looking like. It's looking some type of controller. That's how they got their money. <laughs> <laughs> they hypnotize you. the wheels. <laughs> so I don't know if that was a commercial product. That was like a home hardware thing where the guy was just showing off, you know, what he was doing with the hardware, designing his little custom boards. That's the inside of a dragon um, live on the show floor type thing. Some other of uh, the photo shoot of lighting up Steve for his photos for the interview in Color Computer Magazine. Now, this was a uh, kind of an open forum panel discussion thing, and unfortunately, um, Tony didn't remember who any of these people are. And I don't, I can't say I recognize any of them either, but I didn't know a lot of the people back then except by name. So, I don't know if anybody in the panel here who's got a long history of the code would recognize some of these people because I know he, Tony was asking if anybody. Did I asked Steve about it and he said he didn't remember them either. Steve Bjork, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't I obviously don't. No. Um the cool slice yeah. of history there. Here's the color mate. 
what which was it? an add-on card that was i think 500 bucks or something like that but it added in like uh high-res text character interface 64k ram without having to do any hardware modifications near coco whatsoever um, <laughs> Bunch, bunch of other things. It was, it was a fairly major hardware upgrade, though. Wow. That did require you to take your case apart, even never mind, you know, actually pulling stuff out or soldering stuff in. It was just a complete add-on. You can even see where the disk drive plugs into on the top there. They actually made a separate slot on the top that this disk drive controller slides into. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It also came with SDOS. Sorry, what? There was a color made on eBay just this last week, but I wasn't quick enough to snag it. Yeah, because I would really like to see what the board all entails there. I know it had SDOS, which was an alternative DOS, a fairly advanced one. Um, I think it might have even came with fourth and a few other things because the guys that made SCC DOS also made a fourth or something. I, I can't remember all the details. I never did see one of these, even at Coco Fest. I, or at Rainbow Fest in 86. I think they were already out of the business by then. What's on the end? I have no idea what those are. That might be the hard drive thing that was opened up. That could be. Could be. Oh, yeah. I'll bet you it is. Yeah. yeah. Like the yeah, zero and one on those drives. You knew which was drive zero and which was drive one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's that's it for the pictures there. But that's Color America users group, uh, Color Expo 83, which was the only one they ever held in California, as far as I know. Now, did you mention they, that these came from? Around? Go ahead, Ron. Are they still around? No. No. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Uh, did you mention that these were, he found the negatives to these? He didn't even have the actual yeah. photographs and had the negatives produced? Yeah, and apparently he's got some negatives from one of the Rainbow Fests, too, I think, too, that he uh, put up yet. So I'm interested in seeing those as well. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, like that, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a treasure trove of old pictures. And seeing Steve, you know, get, you're doing a photo shoot for a magazine interview. I mean, yeah, kind of behind cool. the scenes of that, yeah. And yeah, that quad color. thing that he helped hook up, I mean, that's amazing. The Color Computer Magazine had that uh, picture in it. I remember seeing it. Yeah. I got a copy of it somewhere. Yeah, I do too. I didn't get a chance to dig it out here. Uh, Alan's asking if this was at the Disneyland Hotel. I don't know the actual I location. I don't know. I, I don't think Tony even remembered exactly where it was, so if it might have been. Speaking of Alan Huffman, um, this is uh, something that was... Uh, brought up on discord if i remember correctly but basically um this is one of the wi-fi zymodem uh interfaces for using on 8-bit machines and they actually give a shout out uh from the simulant shop here down somewhere down near the bottom they actually gave a shout out to alan because he made uh some firmware additions that made it more generic to all 8-bit machines the original version was basically hard-coded for commodore okay stuff here so the uh they actually gave alan a credit in the description. So. Way to go, Alan. Yeah, good job, Alan. Right. Yeah, Alan Huffman's framework for Bose, Zimmerman, Zymodem, and other firmwares can be flashed, but the great thing about Alan Huffman's fork is that it makes the firmware fully compatible with the majority of old computers and less solely Commodore 64 oriented. Yeah. Yeah, so that's cool. And it's a nice little package. I mean, it's a nice compact and, mm -hmm. you know, as they mentioned, it works with a bunch of machines and having, you know, wireless internet connections from your Coke was kind of cool just on its own period. Maybe when he comes on again, he can show us his fork. Yeah. Well, I think he's in chat, so he could pop on if he wants yeah, to. Yeah, stop talking about forks. I'm getting hungry, okay? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you can just talk about spooning with Greg and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Perfect. There, now that I've dragged the show back down to its normal level. Yeah, <laughs> getting a little raunchy there. All right, all right. <laughs> now there's a, there's a multiple stories that kind of bounced in here, and I don't even know if I have them in order in the in the run up here because this this was kind of a flurry of activity with semi graphic stuff. But uh, Erico and Matchy both have been doing stuff with semi-graphics, and we kind of discussed it on the uh, the programming show last week. And he's been fiddling with doing like Street Fighter and Street Fighter Two type stuff, and some other you know karate style games. So he did a mock-up here, and this is using real semi-graphics. Like I know some people have done semi-graphics simulations before, where you can mix colors in the same block mm-hmm. besides black, and you can't in real life. This is actually accurate. Now this wasn't created on the Coco; this was created with Photoshop and animated through there. But it's literally something that could be done. Got like you know, animated characters in the background, animated yeah. characters in the foreground, some, you know, flickering torches and stuff, all using sixty-four by thirty-two graphics, which is pretty amazing. Which looks really good. Yeah, yeah. I'd play that game. Yeah, I would. Um, I think there was some other. If I remember correctly, this was in one of the other posts. Might be one of the other posts, but there was some other further stuff on it, so we'll get there, I guess. And then the, here, there's Matchy. Now, Matchy had a whole bunch of stuff that came in. Like I said, I don't know if I have these all in order, but um, we were talking about where Protectors 2 you allowed you or use the semi graphics 24 mode, but actually use the text characters and would mix the different parts in the scan lines. Now, you're limited to where in semi graphics 4, your scan lines have to be in the exact same spot. You can't shift a character up a pixel or something. But by mixing the different characters together by scan line, you can make characters that don't exist. So these little space invaders, guys, you're actually made from mixing text characters. That's really cool. Now you have to move it as a whole character cell up and down and mm-hmm. left and right. You can't do smooth animation, but this is where you could mix you know, stuff from the eight color blocks along with this, and you can actually get some pretty pretty detailed looking graphics and the only game we really had that really distribute or display that before was protectors 2 which did the waving guys um and this is actually a little bit of his text editor which actually it shows you if you're trying to pick certain color combinations and it shows you all the possible text characters that would make that particular bit pattern so you can pick and choose from which one you're grabbing from here so you'll see like a, he's picked a zero a star and a number sign a number sign the V and you know, it's, he's picking those different parts to build is, is wow. That's intricate. Now you don't have complete control, obviously, because you're, you're limited by whatever's on the VDG. And there's also the problem that the VDG um, itself has two versions of it. The T1, the lowercase one, not only did they add lowercase, which changes some of the characters, but they also shifted everything up to make room for descenders. So the graphics don't work the same. So if you were going to do something like that and make it compatible with all Coco 2s, you'd have to make two versions of it the two different character sets and some of the characters are different so you won't have an exact match now further on matchy here he's this is where he's showing a semi graphics 12 animated oh no this one was a semi graphics 24. yeah that's a really cool looking review now you mentioned that the, the way he captured this uh got recorded with all these weird scan lines in it so this little picture down here is uh showing what it would look like without all the semi-graphic or the scan lines inserted. So it's a bit more solid colors. Mm. I actually like the scan lines. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. I was like, wow, I don't know how you did that, but that's really cool. And here's some interlacing of, of you know, mixing the different colors together so that you get more apparent colors than the standard nine. 
And then I put in a little thing, like if you use the alternate character set in here, we want to do 32 by 92, then you can actually add in the dark red and the orangish yellow added in. So we actually have 11 colors you can play with in that mode um, if you want to, that are fully controlled without any tr tricks and dithering. So that was cool. And then he did this one here. So this is just a, kind of a concept thing of doing semi-graphics 12. So this is doing uh, 64 by 96 color. Well, he's got this animated character and he's walking between rooms. And actually, I like the the stair-stepping of the doors actually works pretty well, I think. Yeah. Uh, it looks decent. And he's actually got it auto-mapping at the top, too. So you watch that little yellow box there. We'll actually start drawing further as he goes you know, between rooms and stuff. And it... That looks really good. He's got vertical movement where he slides the screen up and you're going, you know, forward towards the viewer. Talk about your elevator action, huh? Yeah. But I mean, the character, even though it has to mix the black and stuff, I, I think having a black outline designed in the game, because black is common to all color blocks, you could design your character so and the code that draws him to also draw black around where the character's next, the the block next to the character would be so you have a completely black outline at all times i think that might be a good contrast where it wouldn't look kind of hacky looking i gotta say it's scrolling very smoothly yeah well, i'd love to have you come on and talk about this kind of stuff matchy we're kind of looking at this and and wonder as far as what you're doing it's amazing stuff so it'd be great to hear it from the source, what you know, what you're doing, how you're doing it, and what some yeah. of your inspiration and motivation is for doing this kind of stuff. It's really cool. And is his uh, combat clone that we showed off? Yeah, that was really neat. Yeah, so. I mean, we're just seeing things that we've never seen before. Literally, never, never seen things like this before, and it's just, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, looking forward to see what he comes up with because I mean, the last few weeks he's coming up with a whole bunch of new stuff every week. So I'm, I'm yeah. Very and I remember when he first entered the Coco community and started posting some stuff on Facebook and people were saying, well, who are you and how did you do this and stuff like that? And it was almost kind of like, you know, it kind of came in and kind of to a, a, a rough start because there are some people who are not always, you know. Yeah, and some inherent biases too. I mean, yeah. John Kowalski, Sockmaster, went through this when he first released the videos on YouTube of Donkey Kong on the Coco. Yeah. Because a lot of people came in the chat room and said, that's fake. That's MAME running. You're lying. This isn't really a Cocoa. And yeah. said, well, download. here's the link. Yeah. Well, just refused. So, they said, I'm not downloading it because I know it's BS, you know, type thing. So, But some people yeah. did. So, so a while ago, when you first started posting some stuff, he kind of came out of nowhere and started posting stuff in Facebook. And it was almost like, too good to be true. And is this guy real? Is he hacking? Is he is he trolling? Is What is he doing? And uh, probably wasn't met with the highest level of courtesy, which maybe did not cause him to respond with the highest level of courtesy. And I know there was a little bit of uh, slight controversy when he first kind of entered the scene, but I'm glad to see that he's still here and that he's and doing he's obviously stuff. obviously proven himself, obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah, the guy's got talent and he's doing some neat things, doing things that have never been done before, just really high-end stuff. And it sounds like him and Eric are working together because yeah, like, yeah. Eric was a graphic designer. He's really yeah, good it's almost kind of like uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman because I haven't seen Eric and Matchy at the same time. So it's yeah. like Clark Kent, <laughs> Superman, Bruce Wayne, Batman type thing where are they the same person? I don't know, but they're both very talented and doing really creative artistic things. A lot of commonalities there. I think and they're working together on some projects by the sounds of it. So I'm yeah. really looking forward to yeah. some of the Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool stuff. Very cool stuff. Glad to see yeah. some innovative things taking place on the color computer. 
Yeah. So. And here's uh, Ed, Ed Snyder's uh, released a video of how to replace the keyboard with his new, you know, high-end switch keyboard with the laser sculpted keycaps. Coco Mech. Yeah. I understand he's going to make a yellow set for so we'll feel comfortable with it. Yeah. So it matches your uh, <laughs> unretrobrighted Coco. Right. <laughs> so I mean, taking the keyboard out, I won't get too much into that because that's pretty obvious. There is some measuring. There's some little uh, adapters you have to put so that the keyboard has a solid foundation. Just putting on the posts is not enough because it's a heavier keyboard. So there's a few things. He's got these two pieces you have to add in. The one in his left hand in this shot actually just goes over top of that middle post and it basically steadies the, the back of the keyboard. The other one you have to actually glue and you have to kind of measure where it goes so it's centered enough and that supports the front of the keyboard. Some assembly required is what you're saying here. Yeah. Like here you can see that that first piece there just slides over the post. It's dead yeah. easy. Yeah. The other one you have to measure and he's got some double-sided sticky tape and here he is measuring. And then he glues it on and that'll hold the keyboard in. And here's the keyboard and the connector he's got is a lot more solid. It's not the little Mylar thing. It's actually a ribbon mm -hmm. cable with an actual card edge. So it won't, you know, break the Mylar and cause okay. it. We used to have in the old days. Plugs it in. You can see he's got the four color version of the keyboard. That is neat. Blue. And okay, I the, love yeah, the gray. I love the gray keys. Yeah. Yeah. I really like this. This is the color scheme I think I'm going to end up getting myself yeah i was gonna go with the one that's traditional coco three with the three colors but actually i like the arrow keys on different colors yeah i i really like that one as well it's it's uh that's the one i told him on facebook that i wanted when i'm able to afford to get one yeah now he did mention during the the video here too that those two spacers you put in also helps to have the keyboard seated properly so you can actually close the case properly because it's I guess a little bit thicker in spots or something, so it's not quite this exact same size. Uh, so if you don't do that stuff, it won't fit properly. You might not be able to get the cover back on properly. So, and hoping is a better shot of the keyboard. Here we are. And we'll just see some nice typing of the nice mechanical keys mm -hmm. here. Do have a keyboard installed? Pretty simple. But uh, it is critical that you have the right supports and a full set of case screws so that it holds it all nicely together. Um, just to have a nice, dirty, usable keyboard. That so, cool. uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be ordering one of those when, when they're out. Listen, and I, that sound. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's almost oh. like the IBM, what is it, the 5150 is the famous? Or what is it? So this Hi, keyboard will last a long IBM, IBM, time. IBM. It should. It should. It definitely give Mark Overholzer a run for his money because whenever you have whenever I have Mark on Discord, all you hear is good, 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 good. So it's just well, the other. The other. That's not true. <laughs> the other advantage of that keyboard also is if a key does go out, let's say later on, you know, a couple of years or whatever years from go, now it's easier to replace those individual switches than the entire Mylar being, you know, broken. Yeah. That is interesting. That is uh, another great product from the Zipster Zone. Ed Snyder just making yeah. cool stuff. I should mention too that uh, the Coco One and Two can use this keyboard. Finally, we had key you know keyboards from other third parties back in the day that actually had extra the extra mm -hmm. four keys that were empty in the matrix. So this will work on a Coco One and Two. Now the extra keys 
you'll have to write software yourself to get use of it. But uh, there's no reason you can't put this in a Cocoa One or Two as well. Is yeah. it true that uh, he's going to make a um, MC10 style keyboard for us? <laughs> oh, no, so we, so we can the Timex uh, ZX80, the Mylar. So we can upgrade. Know, we can upgrade our Coco to the MC10 keyboard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually like this keyboard with the arrow keys in the original layout. Yeah, I, I was trying to see if there would look like there's enough room if we could do both. Because I mean, having the four in the diamond shape is good if you're doing like word processing or something. You can do one hand yeah. and move the key cursor key around. But for playing games that were designed back in the early '80s for the Coco One and Two, yeah, this they suck because you need two hands. Yeah, I mean, down. if you can move the up and down where the control and control and alt are, and this yeah. stick to control and alt over there by the function keys, or just down lower, because who the hell used control alt anyways, right? Oh, Coco. So there's a <laughs> um, lot of extra Excuse me. <laughs> the other thing, I don't know if it's possible. I'm not. I'm not a, a hardware guy, but is there a possibility that he could put a switch or something on it? You could switch that the alt control actually just maps over top the other up keys. Up and down. Yeah, like if you could just yeah. click it, Coco One keyboard mode, and then I could play Phantom Slayer two-handed like I'm used to. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't either. It's a hard but I really love the, the four-color key. I, that's, I think, all I'll be going for. Yeah, I like it too. Yeah. I think, you know, we got to keep, uh, we got to make sure that we support our hardware vendors out there who are making these things because if people aren't buying these products, they're not going to keep making them, and they're making cool stuff, right? So we got, we got... Lots of cocoa products out there, so support your hardware uh, makers and your software and the, makers too. Yeah, and the and the for the programmers out there, we need to start supporting the hardware makers on the software side too, because a lot of them, um, you know, they don't have time to make new hardware designs if they're busy trying to hack out software if they're not really software people. And um, you know, if you can volunteer to help, you know, make drivers or test programs or whatever else for any of the hardware vendors, then please do so. They could they could all use the help in the you know, be able to devote more of their time to what their specialty is, which is the hardware design of things. Yeah, she is. Cool stuff. All right. So Evan Wright. Yes. Evan Wright managed to track down Robert Kilgus, who was one of the authors of some of the original software for the, the Cocoa when it first came out. Um, probably his more famous ones are uh, Dino Wars and Skiing, both 3D. Color Cubes, which is a Rubik's Cube, the clone that it was also done by him. It's also 3D. And he did the disk editor assembler. In fact, I think it's we nicknamed it Kilgus DOS because he had a special, you know, DOS loader and stuff in there too. So you managed to track him down. And I guess uh, Robert has published a book for the Kindle, etc., called Inside Microfiles, which is actually <clears throat> including source code listings and explanation of the design from a programmer's side of view um, of designing this program for the Tier City Model One and Three back in the day. So I just found it fascinating. He actually managed to get a hold of him because I've been trying to find him for years and I never never had any luck. So hopefully we can maybe arrange an interview with him. Yep. Curtis, are you still there? I lost Curtis's audio. Uh-oh. Well, we can't forget color script set. Yeah. No, the, the, the thing that Robert also uh, wrote was color profile, not the OS9 profile, but color Can you hear me now? Profile. Yeah. We can hear you now, but it sounds like you switched over to your Max mic. You're much more bassy. Okay, yeah, because my... Oh, now you're back. You're clean. Okay, yeah. I was just switching back over. Somehow I heard a kind of a crackle, and all of a sudden it just disconnected my mic. But anyway, yeah, no, he's he's done a lot of good 3D stuff. I mean, skiing is a first-person perspective that was amazing at the time that I saw. That was one of the first cartridges yeah. I ever bought. Dino Wars. Dino Wars has, you know, scalable dinosaurs you're running around in Ren 4K. 
though it flickered a fair bit in 4K, but I would love to get some details on how he came up with some of this stuff. And he yeah. also wrote Quasar Commander, too, which is one of the original cartridges, one of the very first batch that came up with the Coco in the first place. Another 3D-ish. What about um, Project Nebula? No, that, that was Arnstein? Robert Arnstein. Arnstein, yeah. okay. okay. Yeah. And that one came out, I think, two years after Quasar Commander, because that was our first 3D space shooter. Okay. Unfortunately, the color set when you know space is yellow, but yeah. In one space. Of things, one of the things he wrote on on color profile, which made it uh, very unique over any of the other database type programs, was it supported sub pro, uh, uh, sub records uh, of uh, of some of the entries, which color profile or OS nine profile did not support at all. So it it was it was real. I I used uh, Color Profile for years. It was it was a really good program. Hmm. Cool. I did I did not know that. I'm not I'm not overly familiar with. It. I mean I know it exists, but I'm not overly familiar with. It yeah, it, it was fairly expensive. It was like sixty dollars uh, back in the day. But again, one of the one of the main things was it supported sub records. Cool. Have you have you tried Sculptor? Like how would it compare to that? I uh, never tried Sculptor. Okay. Yeah, it'd be great to be able to, to get some type of interview going with him. Yeah, I would love to have him on. What the heck that's coming up for? Uh, Glenside released their new newsletter, and they have some coverage of the uh, Coco Fest, um, like a Coco Fest award ceremony here, they mentioned. And then they've got a bunch of really good pictures of the hotel, the Heron, and then the you know the Dino Wars. Speaking of Dino Wars. Yeah that we all got our pictures taken with and yeah i think glenn said he mentioned to him that this you know this this thing was here this you know life-size printout of it yeah I, I, that'd be cool to just have that there if, if we can get him to a show like the 40th anniversary because he's one of the authors of the original cartridges that came out in 1980 so it's the 40th anniversary of quasar commander too mm. did i say glenn it was it was evan wright who contacted him right yeah yeah uh, evan. yeah okay so so there's a lot of good pictures in here of, of the, all the people that were down at the show and some of the booths and some of the hardware and some of the software. I, I'm not going to go through the whole thing here. You guys can download mm -hmm. it. It's linked to it on Facebook. So, and if you're a member of Glenside or you've been to a Cocoa Fest, you're kind of automatically included in the email version of this too. So a lot of good pictures in there. Uh, Blair LeDuc, he uh, told us, uh, we had a story on him last week about using Visual Studio uh, with special add-on for the uh, 6809 assembler. And there were some suggestions from Eric Averlock and a few others, and he's done an improved version 0.2 that fixes some of the issues and adds some extra you know, functionality to it. So it's, it's a nice little upgrade to it if you've been using this. And Visual Studio is now cross-platform. This is the official development environment that Microsoft makes, but they've now got it on Mac and on Linux and on, on Windows. So it's it's nice to have color syntax highlighting, et cetera, for your your native Cocoa 6809 code and 6309 uh, that you can do on pretty well any platform of the modern platforms. So you can go grab that. It's actually up on there. I'm, I'm assuming he's still working on it too. So look for more updates in the future. Very cool. <clears throat> Back to Matt Chi Chai again. <clears throat> like I said, I got some easy out of order depending on when I found them. Uh, this is a semi graphics editor that he's uh, working on for doing tiles. Mm. Cool. So he's actually got scrolling. So if you're doing you know, tile editing a, a map with a bigger screen, and then he's got the individual chunks. 
you can go through and edit and your color bars in the bottom so you can see what kind of colors you're selecting i'm not sure the interface he doesn't have any audio with this so he's not really speaking about it but uh I'm assuming this is some sort oh, cool. of racetrack game. Hmm. That's pretty cool. I mean, he's been doing a lot of stuff with semi-graphics. Um, and hmm. between him and Eric, I'm really looking forward to what kind of stuff they come up with. They're actually making tools for each other and suggestions for each other on what they can do. So I think that's a collaboration that's going to work really, really well. Like Lennon and McCartney. Yeah, exactly. Or Keith Richards and Mick Jagger. Or Smith mm. and Wesson. <laughs> <laughs> or peanut, peanut butter and, and chocolate. <laughs> no, it's peanut butter and honey. Get it right. Mm -hmm. It's like Bailey's and coffee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> still. Sorry, what was that? Like cocoa and chocolate. Chocolate and sauerkraut, he says. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I haven't heard of that particular one before. And this one, we kind of did the, the video preview of it, which was hilarious. Ken, really good job on that. Um, and as I mentioned, it's actually based on a true story because um, we heard at the fest that one guy was getting delayed because he'd hit a couch on the highway on the way up to the fest. That, it was Terry Steen, creator of Balloon yep. Fire and Grey Lady. So, Yeah, so he, he ended up hitting that. And I can't remember, did he total the car or did he just get quick uh, damage? Yeah, I think so. I think he totaled his car. He had to get a rental yeah, car or something. He had to get a rental car to, yeah. to make it to the fest. So and this that's is dedicated. He was still there. He was still yeah. there. Was it a couch or a Davenport? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're all dangerous when they're so on the highway. So I feel like we're going to have to play this game tonight on our little gaming marathon coding chit-chat session. Yeah, I'll have to see if that works with the trackball. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were only Davenport's in Iowa. Oh, wait, maybe you can. This looks like it's keyboard. Left and right arrow keys to steer Q and Z, or Q and Z to steer our gear up and down. So mm -hmm. Okay. Cocoa Fest. Uh, you, it's counting it's, down it's, the miles to Cocoa Fest in there, too. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Now, mind you, if since we're doing a coding thing tonight, then we could modify it to use joystick. So then you could try your trackball. There you go. And the last one I got here, uh, James Diffendaffer, um, has been further optimizing the MC10 basic for the uh, sine and cosine functions. And he's also optimized it for doing um, keeping track of the pointer to what line you're currently processing in a basic program, because I guess currently it uh, it does a rather roundabout way of doing it, which actually slows down basic. So he's done some more patches to basic and he says the average program gets about an 8% speed up just from the line number handling. And he's sped up the sine cosine stuff to use a multiply reciprocal, which is some fancy math term uh, versus division, which is faster. So now he's got his little drawing, his low res hat, literally running almost 50% faster wow. on his new version of basic than the old one. So I will so just... Will this be a new ROM you could get? I think he might. This is uh, currently MC10, but I'm passing all the the information on to uh, Bill Astle, who has been working on the uh, Coco One, and I I can't do all of this in patches to the existing Coco Three ROM, but I can put the sine cosine patch in. So anyway, he goes through and draws. Um, and by the way, while you guys were off. 
I'll just you know, while you you guys were offline, I managed to speed it up by uh, a little over another one percent. So wow, <laughs> oh, cool. we should go offline more often. <laughs> You can see at this point because he started the, the two versions of the program pretty well at the same time and how far ahead the new version is now. Yeah. Like he's shown us previous versions of this where it's a bit ahead, but not like this. This is yeah. this is a large jump in performance. Now is this something, James, you're planning on putting on the MCX ROM? Um I'm gonna do uh, I'm gonna release a ROM and uh create a loader for MC well. I'm going to create a loader for MCX so it'll load it, load it into RAM and you can run it on that. Or you could, if you wanted to, um, hack your MC10 to put it internally, but most of the ROMs are soldered in, so it's better left outside. Um, eventually, eventually, I hope to add other you know, extended basic commands and stuff, but I've just been focusing on speed at this point. And... Uh, the latest patch that I just finished, um, it uh, might be the last thing I could do that will offer a significant speed up without doing something drastic to, that breaks compatibility. And that's because you're, you'll have to start moving ROM routines around from the original locations? Is that the... well, Oh, I've... Uh, that, that was completely out the door for, from the start. I, I oh. didn't... Yeah, <laughs> there was nothing calling uh, anything except maybe the uh, uh, the keyboard, the polecat function that's documented. And uh, on that, um, it it has the the pointer to it at the top of ROM. So um, you know there was no point in keeping it in in the same space. I mean, there, there's what. A pinball game I have to worry about, and everything else is basic. So it's not too big a deal. Um, okay. But, yeah. It's, uh, it's nice speed up some. Well, yeah. I can speed it up further, but then I'm converting line numbers to integers in the in the code when I tokenize it, and I'm, and I'm converting constants to integers in the you know 16-bit integers and stuff like that and it's completely different than the existing format and it's a heck of a lot of work so yeah so I, the backwards I, compatibility is if, if somebody's using like a varptar or a usr call obviously that's uh, going to be stored totally differently I'm um that stuff still works the same at this point okay um, yeah um i'm going to uh, one of the things i plan on doing is adding a uh moving variables so the names are in a table and there's a pointer to the actual variable and then there's a pointer to this this new table in the actual code so that a variable lookup doesn't have to sequentially go through all the variables it just points to one table which points to the other and it's you know it's two or three instructions yeah it's, that's it's, more how basic when nine works actually right and, and it's and uh I had, on the go to, um, I planned on creating a couple new tokens for, uh, well, the theory was that I could create two new tokens for go to and go sub, and I could embed the integer of a line number and then convert it to a pointer at runtime. And then it would, it, when you want to go 
to a line number instead of having to go look through the link list for the line number it just, the first time it does that and after that it calls a different token that directly just loads the address and continues executing it from there that's also like basically actually because they got two versions of go sub and go to that are basically you know yeah you're, you're going from hundreds you know on a go to it takes hundreds if not thousands of uh depending on how long your program is of instructions to look up a line number but it only take um it only takes i think i came up with three once you convert it to a pointer i mean it it's not it's not even funny how much faster it will be if 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 i continue down that road but uh anyway it's pretty fast now for for Microsoft basic anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. It'd be interesting to see what Jim Gary could do with that too once uh Yeah, get I got to track down a, I got to cut track down a couple bugs for him, but uh he was excited to see the last version, so Anyway. Very cool. Very cool. cool. Breathing life into a doorstop. Yes, yes. <laughs> Keeping the Tandy flame yes. alive. Doorstop basic. Doorstop basic, yes. 1.1. Anyway, that was it for news, so. Okay, yeah. And if we had gone any further down that discussion, my head would have probably exploded too, so it's probably going to I was waiting for the I was trying to cut it off at yeah, that point. You kept, it, you kept it good, James. Good job. Good job. Yeah. yeah. I was waiting for the Steve Con uh, alert to come up. <laughs> yeah, I had a, had a question for James about the ROM. Uh, what, what kind of ROM does the MC10 uh, have or take or use? Um, I would have to look, open mine up to look at that and we can talk about that. Um, okay. the, it, it doesn't have it wired for a 16 K ROM, but the memory map is set up for a 16 K ROM. Okay. So it would require some hacking to the hardware if you do it internally. I believe the ROM chip type is Dorito. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, Makes your fingers orange. Okay. Well, we uh, are we out of show? <laughs> Have we done it? We talked about what we want to talk. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Duh. I don't have it here. Okay. So we finished the news. We are. Um, gosh, it's only four sixteen. So this is a short show. It's only been two hours and stuff. But they don't all have to be three to four to five hours, you know. We're slacking. It's been, holiday, it's been a holiday week too. I mean, we had Canada Day on Monday, and you guys had July the fourth. So, both countries yeah. are taking a break. Oh, don't yeah. you have a July fourth in Canada also? Yeah, July first or Canada Day on Monday. <laughs> no, they don't have. No, they they skip over the fourth. <laughs> they they go right from three to five. Yeah, they yeah. go from three to yeah, five. You yeah. See what I was doing there? Yeah. It wasn't okay. quite Brexit. <laughs> 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 Brexit seventeen seventy six edition. Yes. So. Uh, well, good we stuff. could have an after dark, sir. We could. Well, we're gonna have one later on tonight. We're gonna have a gaming. We're gonna play Ken's new game. We're gonna. I've got a bunch of updates from David Lord on Cosmic Aliens that I haven't had a chance to look at yet. So we'll look at some of the Cosmic Alien updates that I haven't even done myself. So that'll be cool. You to test see. out your track. We're track ball. Test out the track ball. Maybe do some more coding. So we're gonna have some chit chat, coding, and gaming tonight. Later on, maybe about eight or nine o'clock tonight. We'll reconvene and and see when we're gonna do that. 
Is this uh, is this Couchmate uh, Madness game free or just download? Uh, it is Na- free, but if you get it for free, you paid too much. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Yeah, at Ken C A N Ken K E N Make It dot com. Can Ken Make It dot com, where you can get Nightmare Highway uh, and stunning low resolution graphics. So along uh, along with I think uh, a lot of the a lot of the back catalog. Yeah, kind of like he's pulling a Nick Morenti's uh, deal. There. Except there's no 20 year old video there. Yeah, and uh, a, bar- a bargain at twice the price. <laughs> cool stuff. So, have we missed anything? Is there anything we have not covered so far? All right, we'll let the stunning sound of crickets um, <laughs> indicate that I believe we're ready to put a fork in this episode. And uh, we had uh, we had a little technical mishap there with a power strike. Um, but we managed to, the show went on. The Tandy Flame is kept alive. We may be mocked, but we will never stop. It was great to have the, the Bruce back on here. Uh, Terry Steggy is still here. Ron Delvaux, Mark D. Overholzer, L. Curtis Boyle, Rick Adams, legendary game designer. Legend in his own mind, Jason Reichard and Mark Bosley and DeBruce and Nick Marotta. You've been kind of quiet today. Nick Marotta. Uh, anything new and exciting with you, Nick? You're muted. Sound issues. Sound issues. Okay, Grant Leedy's here. Richard Lorbieski of Boy Sound Technologies. Um... Nick Morentes and David Ladder. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and run the closing credits. And we'll be back for some post-credits closing thoughts, parting thoughts, if you will. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and play the outro, and we'll be right back. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Cocotalk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Cocotalk is rocking the 8-bit world. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marentes, Rondell Vaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Marota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. Please help support the Coco community 
by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Can't get enough of that Nick Marotta and his ukulele. Never enough. Uh, all right. Well, once again, of all the episodes and shows we've had, this has been one of them. <laughs> I'd like to suggest an alternate title for this episode. Uh-huh. How not to plug your computer into your YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> it's an informational video. It's two hours long of information of how to do that. Yes. Yes, yes, your electricity raged quit. My electricity. <laughs> I told you that it was a sign from God. He said, my people have suffered enough. It's time to end this show. <laughs> mercy oh, kill from the power count. Mercy kill, yes. All right. So good show. We'll be back tonight. Um, the place to find out when and where would be on Discord. We are on Discord throughout the day. So if you're interested in rejoining us, we're going to tentatively say probably 8 p.m., which is roughly three and a half, four hours from now. Uh, we'll be back. It'll be a miscellaneous Coco Chit chit Chat, Coco Coding, and Coco Game Playing session. We'll have a little bit of everything going on. We'll check it all out, and hopefully you'll join us again for more community bonding in a couple of hours. So I want to thank the remaining panel who's here now, Terry Steggy, Ron Delvo, Mark D. Overhoser, L. Curtis Boyle, legendary game designer Rick Adams, Mark Bosley, D. Bruce Moore, Nick Marotta, Nick Marotta, Nick Marotta, Jason Reichard, brother of Ken Reichard, creator of, what's the game again? Panic? <laughs> uh, what was it now? Nightmare? Highway to Hell or something? I can't remember. Oh, goodness. Nightmare? Yeah, I already... Uh, 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 Nightmare, Nightmare Highway. 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 That's it. Yes. There we go. Grant Leedy, Richard Lloyd Basing, Nick Morentes, David Ladd in the live chat. We've had dozens of people. Ken Reichert, Joe Burnett was here. Matchy was here. Jason, James Jones was here. James Diffendaffer. Erica was here. Tim Franklin was here. Alexander Wallace from Mexico. Tim Franklin. Uh, we got people on YouTube, on Facebook, all over the place. Alan Huffman has been here. Um, you name it, the stars have come out to watch, and we're going to do it again in a couple hours. So I'm going to press the button. Say goodbye, everybody. Adios. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.